This is Limitless Spirit, a practical, inspirational, and thought-provoking weekly podcast about the impact of faith and Christian identity in today's world. And now here's your host, champion of Jesus and people who love him, world traveler and co-founder of World Missions Alliance, Helen Todd. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Limitless Spirit Podcast. Today we will talk about destiny. The expression living a life of destiny is somewhat of a cliché, and yet few have the answer what does destiny exactly mean to a Christian. What does destiny mean to you? Most of us would agree with the following statement, living a life of destiny for a Christian means living out God's plan for a person's life. It is the ultimate preparation for eternity in the presence of God. When I think of eternity, I imagine a possible scenario like this. Once you have accepted Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and attached to your name is a destiny, the perfect master plan designed by God Himself uniquely for you. If you can discover this plan and follow it as closely as possible, you achieve the abundant and peaceful life on this earth and when you appear before God on Judgment Day, you will probably hear something like, Well done, good and faithful servant. Such perfection seems unattainable. We struggle with the challenges of life, the imperfection of our own flesh, and the feeling of constantly falling short of the image of Christ that we're supposed to bear. So how do we know what is God's plan for our life and what is required of us to live it? I want to share with you a story in which I got to be an observer of three strangers whose lives were predetermined by God to cross 50 years prior and what happened when each one of them stepped into their destiny. The story begins in the early 70s when each one of the participants was still a teenager. A 16-year-old boy named Tong from the Hmong minority tribe in Laos who joined the guerrilla forces helping the U.S. to fight the communist regime in Laos. An 18-year-old American soldier who was dropped off in Vietnam with minimal training and spent his first night in Vietnam alone in the jungle. And a teenage girl whose only personal exposure to that war was a book about the killing fields in Cambodia that stirred her heart with deep compassion for all the people involved in the conflict. Each one of them went on with their lives unsuspecting of the other's existence until all three of them met one day in a little mountainous village in northern Thailand. Two of them, Billy and Lori, came with World Missions Alliance volunteer team to serve the hill tribes in northern Thailand. The village where we set up a medical clinic in a little church was inhabited by a Hmong minority tribe. They came to Thailand as refugees after the war in Laos, in which Hmong sided with the U.S. to fight the communist regime. Some of them were able to move to other countries, but those who stayed had to hide in the mountains due to their illegal status in Thailand. They live a simple life of farmers. Their life is filled with hard physical labor and very few conveniences of the 21st century. Many of them have no access to medical care. So the entire village came to the church to receive treatments from our medical team, from the young kids to a 100-year-old lady who, by the way, was in great health. Among others came a gentleman who spoke some English. He was in the late 60s and barely five feet tall, and he introduced himself as a retired lieutenant. 
He told us that he was not a Christian and wondered if that would prevent him from being seen by a doctor. Of course, we assured him that his religious affiliation made no difference. It wasn't a coincidence that Billy, the Vietnam War veteran, was the first person to greet the lieutenant. You have gone on many mission trips with World Missions Alliance and other mission trips, but this last trip to Thailand was special, at least in my opinion, because it had to do with your past. And this is, I think, an important thing because I believe that everything in our life, every experience, good or bad, that we go through, God brings together for His purpose, for His glory, if we allow Him to use us. And I believe that what happened in Thailand during our last trip there, in your case, kind of reconciled a certain part of your past. So let's start with that past. Uh, you served in the war in Vietnam. What year was that? I served in uh, Vietnam in 1969 to 1971. I had a short break in between that, like, I think it was like three months, but uh, it was basically from 1969 to 1971. And you were only 18 years old when you arrived to Vietnam, is that correct? Yeah, I was just a baby. Well, that had to be very scary in a sense because this was your first trip outside of the United States. And you shared with me earlier that one of the first memories was being left alone in the jungle. What was that like? <laughs> well, you know, being the new guy, actually what they were doing, they were messing with me, you know, to see what I would do. But uh, I got off the helicopter in the middle of the jungle, you know, and I'm I'm so scared I can't hardly walk. And all of these guys just walk off and leave me standing there in the jungle. They don't say, hey, follow me or do this or do that. They just walked off and left me, you know. So I'm standing there looking around. Actually, I was so afraid I couldn't hardly walk, to be quite frank with you. How much preparation did you have before you were shipped to Vietnam? Well, I mean, I'd had the, you know, the usual basic training and uh, infantry training, you know, did all of that. And then they shipped us off to Vietnam. <laughs> did you know anything about Vietnam or the Vietnamese people? Any kind of background, culture, history? No, I didn't know a thing except that we were supposed to go out there and fight them. And that was the enemy, you know. It was the enemy. So is this how you felt towards the Vietnamese people in general, that that was the enemy that you cannot trust? Well, that's a true statement. I mean, I didn't I didn't have any real experience with them. But as time went on, you know, we uh, you develop almost a hatred because of the different things that happen, you know, in war. I mean, that's it. That's I don't know how to explain that other to say that uh, it's one point, actually, you know, we were hating them because so many of us were getting maimed and killed and different things and mostly from booby traps. You know, we weren't we're in a lot of encounters with the actual enemy, but the booby traps that they'd left behind. But at some point, you know, I came to the realization that to be hating these folks caused me more harm than it did good. So, I, you know, I kind of reconciled that, at least that bit of it, you know, pretty early on in my tour in Vietnam. Really? So even while you were serving in the war, the idea of hating someone, even if they're your enemy, and you weren't even a Christian at the time, is that correct? No, I hadn't given my heart to the Lord, but I had been around the church in and out of, you know, all of my youth, but never really committed. 
But you had that inner feeling that hatred is just not good for your soul. Well, yeah, it eats you up from the inside out. I mean, that was obvious when we started hating, you know, that uh, it just wasn't good for the my soul, you know, so it didn't do me any good to hate somebody that was injuring me, you know. So while you served there, did you have any encounters with the civilians, not necessarily your direct enemy, but people in villages or cities that were maybe positive, not necessarily negative encounters? Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of interaction with the civilian populace because, you know, most of the time we were out in the jungle, but we would come back from time to time and, you know, go through town and I mean, unlike wars now that we've had, like in Afghanistan and Iraq, I mean, we could pretty freely get on hitchhike up and down the road, which we did quite frequently going back for leave and R&R &R and different things like that. So you got to see a lot of people and meet them, but it was still sort of at a distance, you know? You probably didn't trust them. You didn't know who's your enemy and who is not. So I can imagine that it was probably a pretty tense situation. So you finished your time there. Um, you came back to the States. Has your mind ever wandered back to that experience? Did it leave a deep impact on you in any way? Well, I mean, to say that it didn't make an impact on me would be not telling the truth. But, you know, as far as any emotional kind of things, you know, I, I never have that kind of thing. I mean, I've been in many conflicts since then. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't affect me like that. So you didn't go through PTSD or anything like that? No, I'm from the old school. You know, we don't we don't recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so at what point in your life you gave your you surrendered your heart to the Lord? Well, you know, I think the Lord was always tugging at my heartstrings, you know, telling me that I need to get right with him. But it took several years after that. Well, about another 10 years, I guess, after I came back, because that's when I actually committed my life to the Lord was back in 1981. So after you retired, you God called you into missions and you traveled on several mission trips. And then uh, sometime this year, God called you to Thailand. What was it that made you realize that this is the place and this is the time that you're supposed to go? <laughs> you know what I told the Lord? Chuck had asked me when you first went to Thailand, I said, Billy, you ought to go to Thailand. And I told Chuck, I said, Chuck, I am never going to Thailand. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you guys have gone on... I uh, had like two or three or maybe four trips to Thailand. And then the Lord said, go. And I said, well, Lord, I said, all right. I said, I, I said, I'll go. But why do you want me to go? And the Lord just said one simple word. He said, obedience. And I said, all right, Lord, I'll go. I said, I got no interest in going. I said, you know, I got history in that part of the world and I don't care anything about going there. <laughs> I also said that about Iraq, which was my first trip with WMA. <laughs> there is a pattern there, Billy, that when yeah. you say no, God says go, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, yeah. There's, I, you think I'd get it by now, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't tell you much about what's going to happen. And it's so gracious of God that he doesn't tell us in advance too much information. 
but he requested your obedience and you were a good enough servant to say yes. You went to Thailand and among many wonderful experiences that we had there, there was this encounter that you had in a village in the mountains of a man who served in the same war as you did in a different country, but the same time period. His name was Mr. Tong, and he was the former officer. He served in Laos during the conflict there. And uh, tell me, Billy, your thoughts or your memory of that encounter. Well, I mean, when we first got out of the van there in that little village, and they were setting up for the medical mission, I seen this guy walking down the the little dirt road up to the church. And I just felt led to talk to him, you know. So we started a little conversation, found out he spoke some English, though I still couldn't understand much of his English. And we just struck up a conversation. He started telling me about he was the first lieutenant in the Laotian army and was telling me about the general that had immigrated to the United States from Laos that he used to serve. I don't know in what capacity, but and that was about the gist of our conversation, you know, at that at that time. At the same time, one of the other ladies, Laura, I think her name is, isn't it? Lori, yes. Yeah, Lori asked him if he'd accept the Lord, and he says, I got my Buddha. But during the, during the day, he kept coming back and forth, back and forth. Though his English was not fluent, he told us an interesting experience he had when he served in the conflict in Laos. He was assisting in a medical clinic, and it just received the shipment of much-anticipated medication. A young American doctor said, Jesus sent us this medicine. But the other medic quickly stopped him and said, Jesus had nothing to do with it. I ordered it. Lieutenant said this conversation stuck with him for the rest of his life. How do I know which one of them was right, he asked us. Here in the next episode, how this story culminated in a beautiful moment of destiny. Perhaps you too had a moment in your life that connected you to destiny. Share your stories with me via email podcast at rfwma.org. I would love to hear from you. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Limitless Spirit with Helen Todd, produced by World Missions Alliance. Are you ready to step out of your comfort zone? Do you have a passion to help people and share your faith across the globe? Visit our website, rfwma.org, and get involved in the Great Commission through short-term missions. We hope you'll leave a review and check out other episodes. We'll be with you in a week on our next episode of Limitless Spirit.